Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler. Today, Ben Bateman is actually not here. He had to work, and so we have two guests, so we're going to do a little bit of roundtable. First, Josh Sutherland. Hello. Uh, Josh is here from Anaheim, and he's on actually Skype, so that's cheating. But he, <laughs> how about Josh? Why don't you tell everyone about yourself? All right, my name's Josh Sutherland, aka Ask Joshy, um, on all the Twitter and social and all that. I got into gaming with a YouTube channel, YouTube.com/AskJoshy. I got hired by IGN Pro League to do esports stuff for IGN, and then shortly after, I worked in Blizzard esports department. So, uh, Hearthstone, I helped uh, run the tournament at BlizzCon in 2013, helped design Hearthstone World Championship competitive system and fireside gatherings programs, and. Second and third person, I guess he's the third person, but second guest, uh, Ruben <laughs> Bressler, back on the cast. This is your, I think, second time on the podcast. Yeah, second time joining the podcast, for sure. So, well, well, I mean, for all the people that have started listening since last time, tell everyone about yourself. Sure. Uh, I've been playing Magic the Gathering since I was 12. Haven't gotten much better since then. Um, <laughs> my biggest finish, actually, was when I was 15. I top-aided one of the old JSSs. Um since then, I've been playing and really become more known as a commentator and a writer. Uh, I'm at MoxRuby, R-E-U-B-Y, it's a pun, um, on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff. Uh, most people know me from my work with Star City Games or uh, at the, for example, the WMCQ in Philadelphia last year. I've done a lot of Magic the, uh, Magic the Gathering tournament commentary uh, and sideline reporting. I've also done a decent amount in other card games uh, recently, such as poker and Hearthstone, uh, with commentary and article writing and stuff like that too. Great. So, if the people out listening don't understand the theme uh, tonight, we're actually talking about Hearthstone. We're going to be comparing Magic and Hearthstone. We're also going to go a little bit into Magic streaming, uh, just just to touch upon it a little bit, since they're kind of similar and related in many ways. On why Hearthstone and Magic differ in many ways. Uh, just before we start, I do want to remember everyone to follow us on Twitter. If we say something you completely disagree with, or you just want to yell at us, or you want to agree with us, which we appreciate more than the previous two things I said, uh, we are at the MM Cast. And uh, last but not least, please make sure to go check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone, also RocketJump.com. That's the website we're on as well. There do awesome Commander content. Jimmy and Josh are great. All right, so. Today, we are talking about Hearthstone. So, between the two of you, who wants to explain what Hearthstone is? Um, I can. Go ahead. Okay. So, Hearthstone is a card game that you can play on your phone or PC. And basically, you can make a collection just like Magic the Gathering um, through buying packs. They're just digital, though. You never have a physical product. Uh, the game is still one versus one. Attacking and defending is a little bit different. You actually choose the targets for all of your creatures' attacks rather than just attacking a player and letting them block. So, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the creatures abilities are very similar to magic you have something called um charge instead of haste you have something called taunt which means that um that those creatures have to be attacked first they have to be targeted by enemy creatures first before they can attack other things hiding behind them so to speak um you've got stealth you've got uh all kinds of creature abilities you've got magic spells and basically the difference is that you don't play colors you don't play a land base you play a different class um there are nine different classes in hearthstone that cor correlate to the uh classes in world of warcraft hunter mage warrior so on and so on um, the only thing there's not is Death Knight and Monk, but they'll, you know, that's possible future expansions and all that. Um, they do content drops rather than new sets. Uh, so sometimes they'll do an, what's called an adventure, and it's just a single player. You play against AI, and you unlock cards as you adventure through a dungeon, so to speak. Or they do a new expansion in which you just buy a new type of uh, card pack. That's that's the gist. Uh, uh, something also to bring up is because Hearthstone is only a digital platform, they have the ability to do a lot of the things uh, that record-keeping complications don't allow paper magic to kind of accomplish. So, for instance, all creatures' toughness or whatever, I, I forgot what exactly it's called in it Hearthstone. Toughness. Uh, toughness is, um, can be depleted. So if damage is dealt to a thing, it goes away forever unless you add to it. So, you know, magic, at the end of your turn, all damage kind of falls off the creature. In Hearthstone, it sticks around. Yep. Yeah. Um, so... 
I guess, where did it come from? Do, I mean, you were a little bit more a part of the Hearthstone development, it sounds like. So can you kind of talk about why it came about and, and where they kind of started from and how their philosophy on like how you know you play and how you pay for it, etc.? Sure. So the story kind of goes that it was a secret project. It was a very small development team at Blizzard. Started out with just a handful of guys, like five or six guys, and they were just doing mock-ups and you know trying to figure out what they wanted the game to look like. Uh, eventually, they, you know, this very small team put out a prototype to Blizzard, and you know, kudos to them for keeping it so well kept uh, as a secret. And they unveiled it at, uh, I believe, it was PAX East 2013 because it was right before I joined Blizzard, and I was like really anxious to see what was under the covers at PAX East. But uh, yeah, they unveiled this card game, um, and it was obviously very well received. They announced, you know, in the last few months that 30 million people had at least installed the game. Um, which is pretty insane. Um, but for philosophy, for how you pay for everything, it's a free-to-play game. You essentially can download it um, at playhearthstone.com, I believe, and you just play through the tutorial. You get a basic set of cards for each of the classes as you unlock them. You unlock them just by playing against AI. And then after that, you can earn gold through either laddering or um, playing and achieving quests there are quests that uh basically are like win two games as a mage win three games as shamans and so on and so on you earn gold and you can buy packs you can also buy entry into what's called the arena which is similar to a draft format uh in magic the gathering and you can earn prizes cards card packs and gold uh, as well as dust so dust is something unique to hearthstone that allows you to craft individual cards if there's a really cool card that you want you can't actually just spend gold directly on it you have to either open it in random chance in a pack or you use dust from basically trashing cards that you don't want for a small amount of dust and it takes a large amount of dust to craft the really cool cards well so and, and dust kind of functions it's Hearthstone's answer to the fact that it would be difficult to do a trading in card environment because they're all digital. And so in this sense, you get to trade your cards in, but it's eventually towards just buying cards from a store versus from your friend. Yep, there's no yeah. trading of any kind. Um, so it's just purely your collection and what you earn. So it's like Puka trade. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You can turn whatever you have laying around in your house into uh, what someone has laying around in their house, except for... You know, you're not trading with any person in particular. You're just trading with the innkeeper, I guess, is the uh, is the flavor reason behind it. Coming from a magic background, um, the, the main differences between Hearthstone and magic for me were that uh, a lot of the changes they made were to make the implementation of the game online easier. Um, magic has had a no notoriously hard time uh, developing their digital facing product. Whereas the game in real life, you know, with paper magic, uh, is great. Um, the, the digital implementations, either magic online or duels of the planeswalkers have been lacking in one aspect or another, removing some of the complexity of player interaction, uh, from magic. For example, in magic, you can respond to anything that your opponents do. In Hearthstone, uh, it's a little bit different. In Hearthstone, you have secrets sometimes, but mostly you have your turn and your opponent has their turn, uh, and it's much more separated in that way. Uh, trading is very is uh, another thing that Magic allows uh, players to do between each other, whereas in Hearthstone, you can't do that. So uh, uh, it, it's it's a little bit... A lot of Magic players look at it as simpler. I tend to look at it as just different. Um... I don't think one is harder than the other. I think that they're just slightly different in terms of how they want to uh, to put everything together. So, so on that note, I guess, could you guys kind of discuss some of the different strengths and weaknesses between Hearthstone and Magic? Uh, sure. sure. You want to start? Sure. So obviously one strength of Hearthstone is that you can queue up at any time. Um, you can play on the phone. You can play, you know basically in places that you would never really be able to fire up a game of magic and you know you can actually play one game of hearthstone put it away play one game of hearthstone later on where magic uh, typically on magic online you're playing in you know either tournaments or events that you know span several hours hearthstone games you know tend to cap out 20 minutes control versus control so time is definitely a nice uh, factor in hearthstone even for the limited format arena that i mentioned you can just play one arena game back out it saves your record you can go uh, basically until you get three losses so you can just play whenever you have time to which is really nice the fact that it's mobile it's on you know iphone and android um is really helpful as well for me because that's 
ten, that tends to be what I do when I'm bored. I don't I don't really like uh, Clash of Clans or or Candy Crush or anything like that. But I always have time for a game of Hearthstone. Yeah, I would say that Hearthstone and Magic, they both provide me with. I have this inherent need to compete and to just constantly be in the arena. You know, gladiatorial combat style, just constantly proving I'm smarter than somebody else. Um, it's a personal problem. I'll get over it. Um, but <laughs> I think that both Hearthstone and Magic provide that outlet to compete. Uh, but there's different levels um, of of I don't know expectation, I guess. Um, you know, when you're when you're playing a game of Hearthstone and you're in, and you're in your pajamas, sitting on your couch, there's a different feel about it than the lowest, even the lowest level of uh, uh, sanctioned magic play, which is Friday Night Magic. You're actually in front of somebody at Friday Night Magic. Hearthstone has some of that. They have fireside gatherings, for example. Uh, they also have large tournaments where lots of pros are invited. Um, but f by and large, the competitive Hearthstone scene isn't as... Um, Social. As social as magic, magic is is older. It's wiser. It's got more cards. It's uh, I think it's a deeper, more complex game, and it also has a higher barrier to entry. Um, you know, Hearthstone is a, is a product of the of the digital age. It's from the last two years, um, and you know, there's there's pluses and minuses. You know, if you if you like vinyl, then you're gonna love magic, right? It's the old school. You're okay. facing off against somebody. It's tactile. That's what I always loved about magic and going to a magic tournament is 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 a unique experience hearthstone offers something different it offers you a chance to play when you're sitting on your couch um or to play at higher levels of competition you can also don't have to leave your house for some of the bigger tournaments um i think that the the speed with which hearthstone is growing is is something that's very uh, attractive to a player like me who's who's done pretty well at magic um, but also the fact that magic has been around for so long is attractive i think that both games have their uh, uh, qualities that make them really, really exciting and good. Um, and both have things that I, I wish the other game would borrow from. Um, a, a perfect game would be a combination of the two. Uh, if, if Magic's organized play department, for example, and Hearthstone's uh, digital implementation could somehow be combined into one game, that would be the ideal. Um, but both games are very, very, very good, even on their own. Yeah, I'll also um, just mention, as you know, I'm thinking about it while you're speaking, but basically um, rules. Rules are kind of a big differentiator between Magic and Hearthstone. Hearthstone uh, mechanics just play out. Like, mm -hmm. you never really have to know uh, specific interactions between cards because literally it just unfolds before you. In Magic, there are so many rules that... Uh, you know, you might not know what the interaction is. You're able to call a judge and clarify things. Hearthstone, it's just, well, that happened. I hope, I hope it ends in my favor, right? Because right. there's no, there's no online database of rules. There's no um, specific explanations for, for. An example would be there's a, a minion called Sylvanas in Hearthstone that uh, mind controls a random enemy minion. What happens if both of them die at the same time? What if multiple creatures all die at the same time? Like, what is Sylvanas actually able to target, and what is she not? Uh, there's things, there's rules for what happens first. Um, let's say a Sylvanas kills another Sylvanas. Who gets to mind control the other guy's creature first? It's really bizarre stuff that you just have to play tons of games to get experience or, you know, Google it and hope somebody has already asked this question. But in Magic, it's literally call a judge. He'll explain it to you before you make the huge mistake, right? Um, and another, the the constant um, debate that I have, I have a Skype group of, uh, players, Magic players from when I lived in the Bay Area that all played Hearthstone since then. And their constant gripe is that Blizzard keeps designing cards with large random elements. And the random elements in that game are all over the place. In Magic, the random elements are typically, you know, flip a coin. If you win, do this. If you lose, do that. And those cards are barely even played. In Hearthstone, the power level is so great on these random outcomes that you'd be a fool not to use these cards. So a card, in particular, Piloted Shredder, can drop a random two-cost uh, minion after it dies onto the board. Two-cost minions range from zero-one creatures all the way up to four-three creatures, like attack and toughness. So 
you're you're kind of a fool not to play the piloted shredder in case you get that value, that incredible value when your creature dies. But there's something like 80 creatures that it could drop, and you have no, no idea what it's going to be. So uh, things like that really irk my magic playing friends who really want to know that they're in control all the time. But my you know, my other take on that is that mana bases um, are very random in mm -hmm. Magic the Gathering. You have a limited, you know, opportunity to manipulate your mana base when you're building your deck, but you have no outcome on actually drawing the cards. I know that Magic recently changed to a scry rule for mulligans, which certainly helps curb that, but I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, perfect mana base, like recommended, makes perfect sense, and just draw no land. In Hearthstone, that element is removed entirely as you gain one mana per turn so turn one you have one mana turn two you have two mana all the way up to turn 10 where you cap out at 10 mana for every every turn after that and i really appreciate yeah. never being land screwed <laughs> never mind yeah, the if, resource you know. system is uh, is something that's very attractive out of hearthstone uh when compared to magic the, the random element for magic uh is definitely mana issues um the, you know but it's it's just like you know some people like slot machines and some people like blackjack however you want to take your randomness um that's that's how it's going to be with these these uh competitive card games you need to have some sort of random element um the gaining one uh mana crystal the factionless mana uh, a turn as opposed to the to the one land a turn um, that you may or may not have enough of or too many of is certainly something that's attractive out of Hearthstone. Well, there, um, but sorry, sorry. Can, you continue. Oh, no, I was just going to say that uh, that for magic, though, um, you know, it, it, it it's funny because the lands tend to be on the secondary market, which, of course, Hearthstone doesn't have uh, on the secondary market. The lands end up being the expensive cards. Um, and so some of the drivers of selling the packs are something that does, don't even exist in Hearthstone, which I think is kind of funny. Well, I, I was going to mention this. The, the one thing that was hardest for me to kind of get my brain wrapped around when I started playing Hearthstone was mana curve versus like Hearthstone's curve because in Magic you kind of can't be above five mana. I mean you can, but there has to be specific mitigating circumstances or the format has to allow it. Uh, but in Hearthstone it's almost encouraged because you are guaranteed getting there. So the way Magic kind of compensates for its randomness land is a lot of its powerful cards that at one, two, and three and four mana. Or Hearthstone kind of hits that whole spectrum of mana base or, or mana converted mana cost across all of its cards. Yeah, it definitely took me a while when I first learned how to play uh, Hearthstone to be like, wait, I don't have to cap out at four. My opponents are playing these nine drop dragons. That's something that nothing would, you would never do that in magic. Um, but because of the, the way that the mana system works, it's not, yeah, it's basically encouraged that you should be playing these giant spells. Um, even the aggro decks usually play one or two, seven drops. Um, Unless you're uh, unless you're one of the hated you know face hunter kind of decks, but um, in, and in Magic it's a little bit more rare. You'll occasionally have decks in Standard that you want to ramp up to like a six drop, like Primeval Titan. Um, you know, older formats sometimes you'll have you know a, a giant spell in your deck like Omniscience or Gristlebrand or something like that that costs eight, ten, twelve. You know, fifteen mana for Emrakul or something like that, but you need specific deck constraints. Yeah, the, those in cards order are to do it. Are are almost always uncastable, and you're you're not the mana cost could be anything because you're not actually right. using the mana cost to get it into play. Right, except for unless you're talking about like Tron casting Ulamog or something like that. Correct. But you, you're right. Usually, it's cheating them into play, quote unquote, using something like uh, Alarmobot in order to get your creature into play would be what you would do in Hearthstone, which you don't necessarily have to do in, in Hearthstone. You have Alarmobot and you have like Ancestral's Call. Ancestor's Call, I think, are the ones that cheat cards into play from your hand for a lesson cost, um, which you don't need to do in Hearthstone because you could just wait until you get 10 mana. Right, well, I mean, like in magic, in magic, there's no guarantee that you'll ever get there. Right, like it, in a, what I would say is a good game, you're guaranteed to have three mana by turn four or five even, and that's like the only guarantee really available to you. Or in Hearthstone, because you can guarantee by turn seven, I'm going to have seven mana, you can plan, okay, this is a spell that I want to cast then, and I will make sure it's right. in my deck to get to it. Yeah. Another something... thing I wanted to point out about Hearthstone difference is the rope, uh, which the, dis <laughs> the, the digital implementation uh, allows you to have nine, uh, uh, you're only allowed to have 90 second turns in Hearthstone. 
Uh, and for the last 15 of those seconds, there's a little rope that goes across your screen. If you've never seen one, have one of your friends that plays Hearthstone show it to you um, to warn you that your time is running out. In magic, there are, in live magic, there are 50 minute rounds for both players total. And online, each player has 25 minutes, which is a 50-minute round split evenly. Um, there's no chess clock system, uh, which people have talked about, but there's there's no real way to implement it in real life. With Hearthstone, though, a lot of these problems that you have with how Magic is built, even though it's such a great game, there's a lot of difficulty in, in implementing it on a computer. Um, it's easier to do it face-to-face -face because you can call a judge and say, judge, my opponent's playing kind of slow. But... You, you, you don't have that self-policing online. And so uh, a lot of the, 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 the things that uh, Hearthstone has, has taken and adapted to this new game, that's one of them. They've decided that, you know what, I think that uh, we want our game to be shorter. They want our gameplay to be a little bit uh, um, more fast-paced. Um, don't allow people to be in the tank quite so much. And that's just another difference between the two games. Yeah, and I'll point out, um, just going back to earlier to the whole mana discussion, I realize we never specified, but you have a 30-card deck in Hearthstone, and they're mm. all they're all creatures, spells, and uh, weapons, sometimes weapons. But basically, you don't have to slot any mana into the 30 cards, which is you know obviously very different from Magic, and your full hand of cards is never almost never mana related it's always you know playables uh which is a, is a big difference because also in magic you can be holding a hand with just three land and have dead dead cards in hearthstone it's very rare to have dead cards unless it's a spell that has an interaction that you don't have on the board so basically you can make plays all the time <laughs> so the, those are i guess some of the the strengths and weaknesses uh the real the question at hand i guess now that we kind of explained how hearthstone and magic differ and what hearthstone really is is and from Wizards' perspective, the answer is it's not. But is Hearthstone and Magic, are they competing? Is Hearthstone a competitor to Magic the Gathering? And I know that Wizards' perspective is no, it's not. It's a completely different product. They're, you know, they're, you're not losing dollars to Hearthstone because people aren't spending money on Hearthstone. It's a digital product versus a collector product. Are they actually competitors like most people consider them to be? Or are they really just two different things? I think they're very obviously competitors. <laughs> I think Wizards is playing it cool um, by kind of brushing them aside. But honestly, yes, they are they are competitors because I myself have not had the time, money, or patience to actually attend FNMs since Hearthstone came out. Almost, I've attended you know PTQs and Grand Prix as available, but like. I have to say I've played many, many more games of Hearthstone than Magic, and I used to play, I used to be one of those every Friday nights, I would go play Magic, and now, definitely not. It's just the cost to me is much more prohibitive for Magic. A new standard season rolls around, and if I want to play the competitive deck, I've got to shell out sometimes hundreds of dollars. Hearthstone, I buy maybe 15 to 20 packs. I buy the Adventures as they come out, which are only, you know, $20 for the whole, you know, new set of 40 cards or whatever it is. And uh, I have to say, cost is prohibitive, time is prohibitive, I don't always have the ability to go to Friday Night Magic, and um, you know I do always have the ability to play Hearthstone. Yeah, I think that uh, that whoever at Magic doesn't think that they're competitors need only listen to podcasts like this one. This topic's been discussed <laughs> a lot, um, and the fact that we're even asking the question means that they are, in some sense, competitors. Perhaps not directly. Um, but, it, you know, I, I definitely think that they that there are situations in which they are direct competitors. Um, there was a pretty famous uh, tweet about a year ago uh, from one of the Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers named Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa, who said that he'd been paired against two Magic the Gathering pros who would on Hearthstone that would probably be playing Magic the Gathering online if Magic Online were better. So the fact that Hearthstone is 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 quantifiably taking people away from Magic Online um, means that they're a direct competitor to Magic Online, which means that they're sort of tangentially a competitor to Magic. Um, another thing is that you see a lot of the crossover pros. You know, you see people like Stanislav Sivka, uh, who won a Magic the Gathering Pro Tour and recently was in uh, the Star Ladder uh, tournament. I don't know how well he did, but he's in a lot of those uh, those tournaments, uh, yeah. the, the big Hearthstone tournaments. Uh, he's or in actually... Uh, sorry, uh, just Stan Sifka alone was in the European Regional for the Hearthstone World Championship, which is a year-long essential ladder that mm. just peaked uh, last weekend. So he played in the uh, what's called the last chance qualifier for the Hearthstone World Championship after playing literally all year long, uh, gaining points for it. There you go. 
And Stan Sifka is a guy that, you know, he's a he's a chess grandmaster. He won a Magic Pro Tour. Now he's moved on to Hearthstone. Uh, he's not the only one. Brian Kibler is another good example. Orange. Um, John Westberg, I think is his name, uh, is, a, is a former Magic player, uh, possibly still current Magic player. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of crossover and people are m migrating to Hearthstone, not only because of the, uh, the, 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 the ease of playability online, but also because the prize pools are honestly a lot higher in Hearthstone. Um, you know, Firebat won $100,000 for winning the Hearthstone World Championships last year. First prize at a Pro Tour is $40,000. That's a lower number. And so if you're good at both games, if you're equally good at both games, let's say you're top 100 in both games, you would go for the one that has the higher chance of winning a higher prize, most likely. Um, and so while people are still playing both games, there's certainly some tension between the two games. I don't think that we've, we've seen yet... Uh, for example, a, a major Hearthstone tournament going on the same weekend as a Pro Tour to try to fight for player bases. Um, but certainly, Hearthstone constantly trounces Magic the Gathering streams, uh, even of premier level events like Grand Prix and Pro Tours. So I think that uh, on some level, they're competitors. But on another level, they're also sort of helping each other. If you get into Hearthstone, you might want to move to Magic. You know, Magic it has a... Um, it's a, it's a deeper TCG kind of experience. It's got more intricate design. There are more cards. It's got a longer history. In many um, ways, it's it's the grad school of yeah. collectible trading card games. Exactly. Usually, you know, especially when growing up, I knew a lot of people would say that people would quote unquote graduate from Pokemon or they'd graduate from Yu-Gi-Oh and move on to Magic. I'm not sure it's exactly that way with Hearthstone because Hearthstone is so much different. Um, but you know, it's it's it is certainly snazzier. You know, uh, it's pr it's prettier. It's it's a ton of fun, and it's much easier to play than Magic. So while they're they're a little bit at odds with each other, I also look at them like they're helping each other. You know, if people are learning to play Magic, that means that they might later learn to play Hearthstone, and vice versa. I which, think it helps both. Which I think is actually probably what Wizards' perspective is from their end. Hearthstone is grabbing a lot of individuals that wouldn't have touched any TCG either way. There are way more people that are joining Hearthstone that then go to play Magic because they want something in person in a deeper game, as you mentioned. Then there are Magic players that are quitting Magic to play Hearthstone, especially if you see that like the numbers of those people that play Hearthstone with Magic are free, and Magic already has kind of built in an understanding that they're going to lose some player base over some amount of time. It's also funny to me to always look at the, the top 100s at the end of the month, and every time I look at them, there are four or five people that I know from Magic, uh, <laughs> even from, like, uh, Wizards, like, design teams, like, Magic design players are usually hidden in the top one, because I, I know their names, I don't want to out them for playing Hearthstone, but. Uh, you know, Magic R and D is very good at Hearthstone. Um, right. Well, and, that, that makes sense. And vice they can versa. There. You know, Max McCall, yeah, totally. for example, is on the the design team for Hearthstone, uh, and he was a former uh, Magic the Gathering player and Magic Online uh, um, uh, designer, uh, I guess is what it would be, or developer. So, so um, sp speaking of Magic Online, w do you think the flaws and the deep inset flaws of Magic the Gathering Online, and even to some extent Duels of the Planeswalkers? has a lot to do with a lot of the transition from Hearthstone to, or from Magic to Hearthstone? Oh, yes, of course. I think that if there were a cleaner transition um, from, you know, Magic is great. Magic Online is not great. Uh, <laughs> Duels of the Planeswalkers doesn't even feel like Magic to me the few times I've played it. Now, again, <laughs> I'm an old school, you know, I'm a cranky old man shaking my fist at kids on the lawn trying to play Duels of the Planeswalker. But, uh, you know, the, the, it, it's not the same experience. Well, um, the, the issue never, I would... Sorry, you go. I'm sorry? No, no, you, 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 you finish. I was going to say, it's never going to be the same experience, but you have these third-party uh, products like Cockatrice, for example, that you can play Magic online. Uh, the rules aren't implemented, so it's much more of a Wild West kind of scenario. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that Magic is so complex of a game... Like Hearthstone is easier to implement online because you don't need to stop at every single spell to make sure that it doesn't get countered or there's no responses and nothing goes on. What's called the stack in, in Magic. Um, there's no stack in Hearthstone. Um, 
you know, it's 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 a lot easier to design Hearthstone for a computer, I would imagine. I, I, I'm a simple caveman lawyer, so I don't know what what a computer looks like on the inside. So I don't know if it's actually <laughs> harder, but I imagine it's harder to implement instants and sorceries and all this different kind of uh, other kind of stuff that, that Hearthstone simply doesn't have. Not to mention trading, uh, trading cards to another human being across the internet, as opposed to turning them into dust and then trading with the, a computer um, is much more difficult. And so I, I, I sympathize with, with Magic Online people uh, designing magic online who, you know, they've been sort of the punching bag for the community for years at this point. Um, because right, they, they used to be just very outdated and then they've recently become heavily problematic and outdated at the same time. Right. I mean, it used to be, it used to be a program that looked like it was from 1998 and now it's a program that looks like it's from 2005. And um, still doesn't kind of work. <laughs> and still doesn't really work. Whereas Hearthstone is, is shiny and new and when they have problems, they're able to solve them immediately. Um, and you know, I sympathize. And also the fact that, uh, Hearthstone is run by Blizzard that has all of this, uh, experience in running online games and Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, which doesn't have any experience with online games. And so they're, you know, the money people behind the problem probably don't understand what the big deal is. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for magic to be in. Right, and I, I think they're trying – I do think at least this year they're trying to make it so Duels of the Planeswalkers is that Band-Aid. The problem that I've had with Duels has always been it's so much slower. Everything is so much more paced out because they have created a system that is easy to learn how the stack works but then makes it impossible to interact at a level that I'm used to playing on something like Magic Online where Magic Online then doesn't – work on iPad or doesn't work on my phone or doesn't work in a way that I'd want it to in many other ways. So you're stuck in this weird area that they're trying to straddle both sides of Hearthstone without just kind of being in the middle. And that's what Hearthstone ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a my, tough spot for magic online. My gripe with magic online, I used to play just limited. I used to just fire up a draft back in um, return to Ravnica was my, my favorite limited set. I would play a few drafts uh, a week, and then by the end of it, when you know Ravnica rotated, as like, okay, I've got all these cards I'll never use again. I feel like I wasted all my money, <laughs> basically, uh, because if I had just done these drafts in person, I would at least have these cards available to trade or do something with. Um, and then Magic Online, I literally have a collection rotting from back then that I've never accessed again, essentially. Um, and also, like, uh, prizing. I know they changed the prizing recently on Magic Online. A lot of People were griping about that. Basically, if you were a really good player, you were benefiting slightly. If you were not a really good player, you were basically getting ripped off further. So I feel like that is another aspect of it that uh, that's all, all I care about is my prizing, right? Because I just I, I want to play and beat people and, and win stuff. But I feel like the stuff that I was winning was not very substantial. Yeah. The thing about Magic is that we, we compl the, the, the stuff that Magic players complain about Magic Online Hearthstone players complain about their organized play department. Um, organized play for Hearthstone is very confusing and v extremely difficult to get into. Um, I've I've talked with a lot of uh, uh, of pro and semi pro Hearthstone players that you know I've said, well, how did you first? How did you get into this tournament? And they said, well, I was in this other tournament, so they invited me. Well, how'd you get into that tournament? Well, I was told by someone who works at Blizzard that it was going on. There's no centralized location um, like there used to be like an mtgmom.com, for example. Or uh, the, the local stores also help a lot with this when it comes to Wizards of the Coast organized play, where you go down to your local FNM and there's a flyer sitting on the table for the Star, the Star City Open that's next weekend or the Grand Prix that's coming up or the TCG Player 50K or whatever. The, the physical interaction makes knowing when events are coming a lot easier. With Hearthstone being so disconnected like that, it's a lot more difficult to get people uh, into into these kind of tournaments. Um, and the other thing is that Magic tournaments are run as a Swiss format, which means that even if you lose your first two rounds, you still get to keep playing. Whereas I know when I first started playing Hearthstone tournaments, it was single elimination knockout brackets, and there were like 400 people. So you had to 8-0 or 9-0 this tournament, and if you 
three one you get nothing you don't get to play anymore and right. if you seven one then you bubble and still don't get to play more even though you just seven one and also the the pairing system in magic is a developed program they have wizards event reporter with hearthstone it's kind of way more wild west-ish like you you friend your request the person you're playing against and then you play and then you both have to report the match result to a third-party website or something it's it's just yeah. very complicated if the implementation of of the organized play from wizards of the coast were able to somehow be implemented in hearthstone it'd be way easier but again we run into this problem where they're not the same game and so it'd be way more difficult to get wizards organized play department to function for hearthstone just like it would be way more difficult for the hearthstone game to function online if it had instance and it had all this other stuff Indeed. Hearthstone, you're talking about different formats and stuff like that. Basically, the Wild West of esports, that's you know something that's kind of developed from other games. Hearthstone came into the world when League of Legends, StarCraft II, Counter-Strike, all these other games already had multiple different formats. You've got um, single limb, double limb, round robin, etc. And since there's no... Um, there's no sideboarding, there's no anything like that in Hearthstone. It just made the most sense to do BO5s, right? You would just do a BO5, and the winner would move on, and the loser would go home. And that's essentially how it was for, you know, the first year or so. Eventually, you know, some some tournament organizers, because they're all third-party, Hearthstone, uh, Blizzard doesn't run any of their own stuff. They contract it out through ESL or DreamHack or whoever. They allow anyone out there to spend money, basically. And if you're throwing a tournament with $10,000 worth or more of prize money, you get a license from Blizzard. But that, that's essentially just a checklist that you're following to make sure you're representing their game as they would like you to. It doesn't actually have any oversight from Blizzard other than, you know, make sure branding is correct, make sure the rules aren't this crazy you can't have more than this number of invites it has to be this percent open stuff like that but honestly there's like four or five different formats that can be approved so any new tournament you enter could have vastly different rules from the previous one you played in and that's that's more of it being an esport uh an esport developed by the community rather than by blizzard it was just whatever whatever goes whatever works <laughs> for a long yeah. time and i kind of want to talk a bit talk a bit about uh the importance of streaming for wizards what wizards is doing to kind of accomplish that what things they could be doing and what things they're not doing and how the best way to kind of accomplish that would be um i think that you know magic is in a really weird spot it because um it streaming is something that esports have always done and Magic is deciding whether or not it wants to be an eSport, I think, is, is, a, is, a, is a problem that it's sort of wrestling with its own identity. You know, streaming came to Magic relatively late. StarCraft and WarCraft and Diablo and a bunch of these other older and Halo and things like that. Streaming was a thing. Major League Gaming was a thing for a long time. Magic didn't really have any, uh, any of that until... Maybe, I don't know, four years ago or so, some of the Magic players decided that they were going to start trying to stream. Um, you know, some of the early streamers were, for example, uh, AJ Soccer was one of the first uh, Americans to start streaming because he has a really deep... Uh, 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 he's he's a big fan of Japanese culture and of esports in Japanese and Korean culture, and he brought that with him to to uh, to Twitch, um, and from there it sort of grew into you know the stream team with Cedric Phillips and then Kenji Numat the Nummy, uh, Kenji Igashira, and a bunch of the popular Magic streamers, and now you see stuff like uh, as we record this, the finals of the Standard Super League, which is a, a standard tournament being put on in some sort of official capacity by Wizards of the Coast. It's been a long time in development for Magic. Whereas for Hearthstone, they come from, you know, they were born into it. They were, they come from a company where streaming's been around the whole time. And so uh, it's a lot easier to get into Hearthstone when just watching it. It's a lot more fun to watch. It's quicker. It's easier to follow. Whereas Magic is kind of boring to watch. Even Magic Online, uh, which is easier to read the cards and, and zoom in on stuff. 
but live magic is is horribly complicated and not really at the place where it needs to be in order to be you know uh uh it, it's much more like uh trying to it, it's much more like poker was way back at the early days of televised poker before they had pocket cams <laughs> before they had pocket cams when they had the grainy cameras and they didn't really you know know what they were doing um it's 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 a difficult spot for magic but i think that streaming is an important facet of gaming um you know even though magic is more like poker even poker has moved into streaming you know jason somerville had 30,000 viewers last night for one of his poker tournaments poker is not a sport that you typically see on twitch um and so i think that going forward magic is certainly trying to embrace streaming but they've they've sort of had this weird relationship with it where they don't really know what to do with it i'll tell you like while I was at IGN Pro League, we wanted we wanted to get into Magic because all of us played Magic and Hearthstone didn't exist yet. This was 2011 to 2013. And all of us played at Channel Fireball from time to time. So we developed a relationship with those guys. And it was getting close to a point where we at IGN Pro League were going to be able to run events in tandem with Channel Fireball. Obviously, it never worked out. Um, IGN Pro League was cut after Ziff Davis bought IGN. Um, but that was like getting me so excited. Uh, me and my magic friends were already just doing lots of mock-ups on how we would present it and stuff like that, that Wizards has still not reached that point yet. Basically, Wizards problems, uh, Magic's problems in general for live events are watchability, like you just mentioned. You have no dictation over the pace of the game. Uh, you have no dictation over players being able to display their hands to the camera so commentators can actually talk about them. What you're talking about with poker was, you know, before they had pocket cams, commentators were not necessary. You didn't need you didn't need commentators because you would just see cards come down at the river and that was all you got to see. Magic kind of feels like that still where it's like, what did he just draw? Is it removal? Is it a creature? Is it land? I have no idea. Maybe in two turns we'll get to find out. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but there's no like guarantee that you're going to be able to even present the game properly. The other problem is that they, uh, they've recently gotten better at this, but downtime between rounds, between games, is just crushing for watchability. If someone's following their favorite player and a match ends in 10 minutes, they just want to see some, something on the screen, right? They don't necessarily want to watch uh, the commentators go over standings for 40 minutes. They want to get into the next match, get into the next match, and that's something that esports has obviously spoiled, you know, the Twitch audience uh, for. And I'll say that, you know, before Twitch, it was television, right? Every every sport wants to be on TV. Magic is kind of a difficult one because of variable time length between commercial breaks and stuff like that. But Twitch, you have your own channel, you have your own avenue to control your time, and if you don't do it well, uh, viewers are going leave so i would say watchability and downtime are are two of the big problems magic has where hearthstone hearthstone everything is in big numbers it's right there on the screen you can see both hands at all times uh commentators have plenty to talk about um and you have those satisfying uh, visuals, the animations, the sounds. Every card has a sound that it makes when it hits the board, when it attacks something, and when it dies. Like uh, an 8-8 eight, eight creature makes a heavier thud when it attacks into a guy's face rather than mm -hmm. a 1-1 one, one creature. Like all this tactile uh, sensation that you get from watching Hearthstone means that you can literally sit in a Hearthstone stream and watch you know, for an hour and, and never really get bored like you would uh, Magic Online, where it's like you're kind of relying purely on... The the person playing to walk you through all his decisions and maybe playing music in the background, something like that, that Hearthstone just doesn't even need. It's already there on the surface. So there's definitely steps that can be taken to improve the stream. I would say for viewers, uh, number one is downtime. Just always have a game on. I mean, obviously you need to stagger because 50-minute rounds are, are a thing. But Pro Tour, you can stagger matches. You don't have to start everyone at the exact same time um, and miss out on you know 30 minutes of game time, 40 minutes of game time at yeah. a time. I mean, I do, I do think they've done a little bit in this world, and I, I, I noticed in the last two Pro Tours, I think, of the, like, sped-up super games that they'd play, where they would record matches that were happening and then just play them for you and commentate on what was happening. It just would have happened already. Um, but I do, because th I think staggering tournaments makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah, it's it's difficult with, uh, with again, their organized play, with their Wizards event reporter. It sort of requires them... They sort of locked themselves into this system where, you know, the herd is only as strong as the slowest buffalo, right? The, the, the round will go as long as the last longest game is going, which is pretty unfortunate if, if there's one slow player in the room, everyone has to wait for them. 
Um, and there are ways to solve this. You know, we've, we've had discussion when I worked at star city games, we had discussions about, uh, uh, especially for, um, for the championship, the star city games, uh, players championship, but also for things like invitationals where if you have more control over the event, could you do something with the timing? Um, and it's, it's just, and it's not built into the culture like it is with Hearthstone, where when you're reporting your own matches, if you're in the round of 16 and some other round is in, or some other pairing is still in the round of 64 because they're super slow, you're going to get slowed down eventually, but it might not come until the top eight, top four. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a problem, certainly, with a viewing audience. This is a spot where Hearthstone and Magic are not only competing with each other, they're competing with literally everything else on the internet. Like, you're not just competing with other streams. You're right. not just competing with League of Legends. You're now competing with Reddit. And you're competing with, you know, pictures of cats and Twitter and all the other stuff that you can do on the Internet and, and your email and whatever else that you're, you know, that you're watching on the Internet. Um, it, 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 it will divide your attention. And so if you're not putting any, not only is your game somewhat difficult to get into to begin with, but now there's not even that happening. Now you're on a break or now you're showing recycled content. It's a little bit more uh, likely that someone's going to switch over to another game, either, you know, Rocket League or whatever's popular on Twitch at the time. And so it, this is another issue that, that, that uh, Magic's running into with streaming, which is that the viewing audience does not have the longest attention span. Magic is a game that you need to be able to pay attention on the long run to know what's going on. Absolutely. I think we're now going to, so I asked a question and I asked the question to uh, Twitter on what we think, or asking them what, if they think Magic is a competitor to Hearthstone and, and why or why not. And I'm going to read a few of those answers and we get to kind of respond and, and tell them what we think about it. All right. So at Wodor underscore Melon, look at Kibler. He stopped playing Moto and now plays a lot of Hearthstone. There is some crossover between the audiences. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I do think Kibler is something to point out is the reason he switched over was partly and mostly for streaming. His issue was with how Magic the Gathering Online wasn't functioning when they switched over to the newest version, and so he moved to Hearthstone. Yeah, I forget which which tournament it was, but I was watching it on Kibler. When Kibler first made the top four of a major tournament, um, when he I made the top a, four... Liquid Open. Yeah, that was Yeah, that was it. He needed to craft a third deck, because up to this point, he'd only played Shaman and Druid. And he's like, oh no... I don't have any of the other cards. So the night before top four was going to happen, he had to get his hunter up to level 10 to get the base cards that you just start with in the game, which I thought was hilarious. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's attracting the big names for, for a lot of the reasons that we've discussed already, you know, uh, Paulo, Vitor Damo de Rosa, Brian Kibler, those are both Hall of Famers in Magic the Gathering. Those are people who've made their living playing Magic and still do. And they, instead of streaming the game that they are best known for, are instead playing another game. That's a big problem. Um, now, if you don't see it as a direct competitor and it's not hurting your bottom line, then maybe it's not that big of a problem. Maybe, you know, it's, it, you, you look at it and you're like, eh, they've got another hobby. That's great for them. But on some level, I think that Magic could be using that if they were, if there was, if something were better if something were just slightly more usable. Um, and so it's a little bit of a problem, but, you know, the, the Kibblers of the world, they're gamers. They're going to game, and that doesn't just necessarily mean they're going to game in the game. They're going to game the system. Whatever is going to earn them the most X, uh, uh, public uh, approval, money, Twitter followers, whatever, whatever's going to earn them the most for the for the uh, whatever value they get out the most, um, whatever value means to them, they're going to do that. Yeah. If you're making a living off of a game, um, obviously you need people to give a crap about you. And doing it on Twitch means that you have eyeballs all the time, which means that sponsors are attracted to you. Sponsors will say, you know, show your show our logo on your stream um how much are you going to stream in a week 10 hours okay cool let's you know twenty five thousand eyeballs we'll give you this much money that's how much this is worth to us and before streaming you didn't have that you grinded and maybe you got a sponsorship to help you cover flights and hotels or something like that maybe even provide cards for you but not in this way where it's like i'm actually 
building profit by playing a game that I love already. And that's something that Kibler and some others are, you know, obviously taking advantage of. Hearthstone players have a lot have it a lot easier in that regard. Um, you join a pro team. You mentioned Orange earlier in the podcast. He's on Team Archon. Archon has six or seven sponsors that are just PC peripherals and and things like that that are giving him equipment, um, giving him you know actual tangible money that he can buy food with, and not just trips to you know pro tours or whatever it is. And that's that's attractive for everybody. Yep. So, at Zeladon, uh, Greg Kimbrough, I definitely said his name wrong. <laughs> uh, nope, because there's no trade or collectible card value aspect. Um, I mean, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. The fact that Magic is a game that there is a, you know, there's a finance angle to it. There's actually, you know, that you're actually getting physical product and the time you're spending on something is gaining you something that you can actually hold on to and sell at a later date does offer something more valuable to the time spent on it than maybe something like Hearthstone. That's someone, an interesting perspective. Yeah. Sorry, if I'll someone let you take only the lead plays, on this one. Sure. If they only play Magic Online, are they a Magic player? And if so, they can't transfer funds or cards either. Like there, well, there are people that you can in the world, redeem, I'm sure, that only play Magic Online. You can redeem sets, and you can in, yeah. only if you in ways a full sell packs. Set or something, right? right. You can you need, sell it's, it's a lot more difficult for sure. A casual fan. You know, a casual Magic person is just going to have cards in their basement in a shoebox that they could sell at some point. But a casual Magic Online player isn't going to just have a set laying around. So it is it is a little bit different in that aspect. But I think that's kind of, that's the key of the issue. I think Wizards doesn't think Magic Online is their main product. And it's not. I mean, from their perspective, they make way more money and their main focus is on paper magic. And that's where they feel safest. And Magic Online is just like this auxiliary thing that exists that makes them money. So they keep it around. But I don't think they think it's a focus for where they're going in the future. And because of that, yeah, I like, think that, uh... they don't consider a Magic player someone who only plays on Magic Online. Right. Well, yeah. I think that the fact that Magic Online is still massively profitable, in spite of all the gripes that we've mentioned, um, is one barrier for it being better. The other thing is that Wizards of the Coast itself doesn't see any of the secondary market profits that these players have on these cards. It just so happens that, and by it just so happens, I mean that Wizards of the Coast has carefully crafted a game that keeps its value over decades, which is the only game that has done that. It's amazing that cards are still worth anything. You look at any other game and like, you know, cards that used to be worth $45 in Versus System or the World of Warcraft trading card game um, just before Hearthstone, those aren't really worth anything. Or Pokemon cards. I mean, really... They're not... They they don't hold their value for as long as a Magic card that was printed 20 years ago is still going to be worth as much now. I think you could argue any hobby in the history of mankind doesn't have the same value retention that Magic the Gathering Oh, absolutely not. Other than maybe comic book collecting. If you had put all of your money into Magic the Gathering, you would have beaten the stock market over the last 10, 15, and 20 years. So Magic (laughs) is a complete outlier when it comes to investing like that. But Wizards of the Coast sees none of that. So it's to say that Hearthstone and and Magic aren't competitors based on that aspect, yeah, in some sense, there will never be a Star City Games or a Channel Fireball of, of secondary market retail Hearthstone cards. There's never going to be Dust.com. There's never going to be that, um, just by the nature of how... how uh, card creation and card and and, and uh, product dispersal works. But I think that that's, but that's, that doesn't mean that they're not competitors. Right. True. Oh, I definitely think they're competitors. But I do think that's a very good distinction. Is because you have stores like Hearthstone and because you have Channel Fireball and because you have you know your local L, L, uh, local gaming store, you have a community that's going to continuously being built around it. Well, Hearthstone. If tomorrow I stopped playing on my phone. There's, I'm not no longer seeing friends. I'm just not playing this a game on my phone, and it's being replaced by something else. Magic has something that's a little bit harder to replace with time and relationships than Hearthstone does. Sure. And the other thing is, you know, when you put money into any time wasting, <laughs> we'll call it time wasting hobby, um, you have to think about how much that time is worth. You know, if you go to see a movie that costs you some number of dollars, let's say fifteen dollars. Maybe seven extra dollars for popcorn and a drink or whatever. Um, that's, you know, 20 bucks for two. Let's say it's 20 bucks for two hours, 10 bucks an hour. 
If you're putting 10 bucks an hour into Hearthstone or putting 10 bucks an hour into Magic, then you've paid for your entertainment. Whatever you get out of it after that is just gravy on top. And so I think that there's a flaw in the logic in, in, in thinking that you need to get something else out of your collection. Is Netflix a competitor to Magic? <laughs> sure. Or, Everything's see, a competitor for my exactly. time. Anything that's entertainment that you spend money on is in some way a competitor. And the fact that it retains value or not is, is you know, secondary to the fact, did, did you enjoy the time that you got for your money? All right, next person, uh, at Jay Firely. To Magic the Gathering Online, yes, and crushing it. To Magic the Gathering Paper, no. Previous World of Warcraft CCGs have failed to dethrone paper magic. Oh, yeah. Everyone that's ever tried to come at the king has has fallen by the wayside. Magic's the only one that that survived as long as it as it has. You know, when Magic first came out, other trading card games were like Overpower and Legend of the Five Rings and other games no one's ever heard of before. Well, I mean, look and at now, look at uh, Fantasy Flight's entire line of tr living card games. Those are all yeah. previous Magic the Gathering competitors that they've transferred into a slightly less lucrative but still fun to play almost board games. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's it's the nature of the beast. Magic is the best game that's ever been made. I, I have no qualms in saying that. Magic the Gathering Online is not, and I would much rather play Hearthstone than Magic Online. And I'm usually at home. So usually when I'm sitting on my couch, I'm not going to be playing Magic because the ways that I can play Magic when I'm at home aren't as good as Hearthstone is. Um, but if I'm going to go travel to a tournament... I'd rather go to a magic tournament most of the time. Um, you know, there are other variables such as prize and people who are going to be there and odds of me winning that could change that. But, you know, it, it's just like we said, there, there are certain pluses and minuses um, to everything. Magic the Gathering, I have a hard time foreseeing it dying in the foreseeable future. Um, it's more profitable than it's ever been. It's more popular than it's ever been. Things like... Um, Things like Hearthstone and other games uh, uh, online are bringing new audiences to Magic that might not otherwise have gone into Magic. Um, and, and so I, I think that Magic has a good, strong future ahead of it. That doesn't mean that Hearthstone doesn't also. So I think that, uh, that they're going to have to get used to each other in this marketplace. Yeah, I don't think... Either game is in any danger of, of dying out due to the other, but it's actually great for both of them that they have this driving competition now because, like you said, Magic is the king. Magic has deflected, you know, multiple other people trying to enter the space, and Hearthstone now is giving them some cause to sweat, potentially, and it's going to cause them to continue to improve their products, and that's obviously great for us as consumers because yep. now we're spoiled for choice and it's great for wizards and blizzard to be able to play off of each other and create better products yeah much better for magic folks who want to see magic online improve you know they never had anyone pushing them it was always the only game in town now there's a new game in town so maybe we'll see some improvement over the next you know five years Great. And uh, the last person that I'm going to read from Twitter, and for all those that answered and I did not read, there was a lot, so sorry. <laughs> uh, from Blake Parker, if anything, it'll get more people interested, and they'll make the transition to magic when they realize how much better it is. And that's kind of, I guess, what we're saying is that they are two of very similar games, but they definitely interact on different axes with a person's free time and then therefore if anything they're going to grow this community of tcg players more than anything else sure and yeah. i've learned things from magic that i translated to hearthstone and i've learned things from hearthstone that have translated to magic i think that being good at both games they accentuate different skills they make you better at different things i play poker also and i think that skills that i've learned in hearthstone and poker or translate to magic and vice versa. I think that all three games help themselves out. I think that there are other games that do exactly the same thing. Um, you know, everything that ever it's, it's all part of this, uh, adding to different skill sets, um, that, that, that will, uh, that will continue to grow as both games get, get larger. Yep. Things like tempo, um, resource management, um, thinking turns ahead. Like those are both applicable to, uh, Hearthstone and Magic, there you can definitely polish those skills on either one and have it translate over to the other. So, 
uh, yeah, the more the merrier. Uh, more people playing card games, the more I can chat to about them. So I'm I'm happy for uh, growth in all directions. Great. So uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, I do want to remind everyone that you know we ask questions on Twitter. We just read a bunch of them and answered them. If you want your question answered or you just want to interact with us because we love interacting with you guys, please follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. Uh, I am at Kess Wiley, and my normal co-host Ben Bateman is at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, Josh Rubin, you want to tell the internet's where to find you? Okay. My uh, everything basically is Ask Joshy, A S K J O S H Y. That's YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, I definitely appreciate any follows. If you want to chat about Hearthstone or any other esports, I do it all uh, Counter Strike, StarCraft, basically anything you can think of, Smash Brothers, all that stuff. So definitely happy for uh, some conversation about esports whenever. And thanks very much to Alex, obviously, for inviting me onto the podcast today. Yeah, definitely. And Ruben? Uh, at M-O-X-R-E-U-B-Y is where you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, um, Snapchat, if I ever use that. Uh, that's that's basically where you can go find me. Um, I am a writer and a gamer. Uh, I play Magic, Hearthstone, Poker, lots of other uh, competitive card games, and I report for a couple of po- couple poker tours, and I've done commentary on Hearthstone and Magic tournaments. Uh, if you want to talk to me about anything game-related, particularly if it has to do with competitive card games and talking about them, uh, I would be happy to have a conversation about that. And, uh, and yeah, and if you ever play against M-O-X-R-E-U-B-Y on the Hearthstone ladder, there's a good chance it's me. So uh, I'll see you guys later, and thanks again to, to, to Alex. And last but not least, make sure to follow and check out uh, The Command Zone. They are the sister podcast to this podcast. They do commander content, casual content, uh, and you know how to make your friends cry when you want to be really good at something that isn't one-on-one V tournament stuff. And (laughs) tune in next week for all of our great content. We're going to start actually talking about Battle for Zendikar and all the new stuff coming out. Uh, We normally wait just until we have the whole release so we know what we're talking about before we just start reviewing things. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Peace out. See ya. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>